Good morning. Man, it's good to have a lot of teens in here. It looked full 30 seconds ago, and now all of a sudden it's, they all left, and it's a lot less of us, but that's all right. Brother Josh is on vacation, uh, so pray for them. I'm trying something for the first time here because I, I put this all together on my tablet, and uh, so I want to make sure that I, I didn't miss anything. It's a lot easier to do it that way. All right. Brother Josh has, was doing a series on making a difference, and for basically since we started the church, Pastor did a few different things here and there, but basically since we started the church, we've used kind of a, a, an adult Sunday school curriculum, and uh, just kind of, uh, usually they're 13 weeks long, so that's what, why you'll see us going back and forth, Brother Josh will do 13 weeks, and I'll take a 13-week course. I'm going to do something a little bit different, and I, in my opinion, uh, it's more of Sunday school than preaching messages through Sunday school, which is nothing wrong, but they're more, uh, some of the stuff like Brother Josh is doing, it's more challenges, um, or um, it's not, not, saying a lot of Bible is not the, the thing I was, I'm trying to say, because we we're going to use a lot of Bible here in actual Sunday school also, but it's more of, uh, more of challenges, more of, um, of preaching through a series we're going to actually, we're going to try it. Um, so I'm putting this lesson together, not from scratch, but it's, it's a lot of, uh, of study and putting this together. So we're going to go over, we're going to start a series on 1 Corinthians. And it's not going to be particularly, as we get going, we will start to get into a lot of, uh, you know, we're just going to go start at the beginning of the book and work our way through. But you'll see that it's going to be a lot of um, actual study in the Bible. We're going to look at some of, not necessarily doctrine, we'll look at some of that too, but um, we hear it all the time, you know, discipleship. Well, Sunday school can be discipleship too. And uh, if, if I was going to ask you right now off the top of your head, what does church discipline look like? Everybody heard of church discipline, right? How does that work? Does anybody, can, can we... As a group, go through and give me the steps of how church discipline works. What's the first step, Miss Diana? One person, whoever's offended or whoever you know has an issue with that person, goes to that person and talks to them about it. What's the next step? You take somebody with you. What's the third step? If they won't listen. If they won't listen. So the idea is you go to them directly and they say, man, I didn't realize that was a problem. I didn't realize I was offending you. They fix it ask forgiveness, you forgive, it's over. But if they won't listen, if their heart is hard, then you take a second person. And then what's the, what's the third step? Yes, which you would first go to the pastor and say, hey, we, we need to fix this, this is a problem, you know. And then the pastor takes it to the church. That's pretty simple. But what does the Bible say the purpose of church discipline is? Do we know that? Brother Eric? Restoration. Restoration. And I think sometimes... Uh, especially independent Baptist churches get this get a get a reputation of being hard nosed, which is fine uh, in a way. In in certain you know, when you're standing on for doctrine and standing for truth, it's fine to be hard nosed. But when it comes to people in the church, we we want to have a heart of compassion, of patience, of restoration. That's the whole idea behind church discipline. And most churches 
independent Baptist churches, I shouldn't say most, the ones, some of the ones I know that I was familiar with growing up, that's not the reason. The reason is to purge the church. We've got to clean this out. And you do. But you want that person. The Bible says, regard them as a heathen man and a publican for the sake of bringing, so that they'll realize, wow, this is serious. I really need to take a look at what I'm doing here so that we can bring them back into the church. If you run somebody out on a rail out of the church, even if they get it right, guess what they're not doing? They're not coming back to this church. They're gonna, they might get right and go find another church, but they're not coming back here to be restored to this body of believers. So that's the kind of thing we're going to look at when I talk about doctrine and some of the, the practical things of how a church runs. And that's what Paul was doing here in 1 Corinthians. He was writing to it and to the Corinthian church, and I'm sure uh, we've all read 1 Corinthians, but he was writing to them saying, hey, you guys got a lot of issues, and, it, and we'll talk about this later, but he was only writing to them like three or four years after, if that, after the church was started. Very quickly, it wasn't necessarily that they had false teachers in their church. They just were going way off what a Christian is supposed to act like. And we're going to go through today, we're going we're to look at uh, an introduction to uh, the book of 1 Corinthians, Corinthians by looking at the city itself, the city of Corinth. And it'll kind of help us to understand, you know, it wasn't like Mount Victory Baptist Church was up and running and had great people, and then all of a sudden this, just, this wickedness was in the church. These people had this background and just, I wouldn't say they didn't know, but as they backslid and got away from what Paul had taught them, it was very easy for them to just go right back to that. And that's what we're going to look at uh, when we look at this city. And I'm going to take all, all of this morning, and wherever I, this is not going to be, um, all these, mess, these lessons are going to kind of build on each other. So at 1040, because the choir has to meet at 1040 to go over our song, at 1040, wherever we're at, I'm just going to stop. We'll pick right back up there next week uh, as we go through this, okay? I can't promise it'll be 13 lessons only. I really don't know as we go through it. It's going to be very much like school. And uh, as, we, as we go through it, um, if we get hung up on something, and what I mean by that is, you know, one, one thing that we get to talking about takes longer, we'll, we'll take longer on it. There's no problem with that, okay? Um, Bible says... Uh, now I'm, now I'm going to lose it. Is it second, first Timothy? I can't remember what verse it is, but the Bible says all scripture is given by, is second Timothy three, isn't it? Newton? Second Timothy three, I was in four, 16, second Timothy three, 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Hopefully none of the stuff we're talking about in 1 Corinthians is going to be for reproof. We, we shouldn't be involved in that kind of sin, hopefully. But it is going to be uh, for, for doctrine and for some instruction in righteousness. That's, that's what 1 Corinthians for us is going to be. And 1 and 2 Corinthians is very applicable to the New Testament church now, very, very much, especially some of the wickedness that we're dealing with in our world and uh, you know, that, the, that the world is involved in. Uh, how we can uh, stand up against it and how we can fight, fight against it. So, having said that, we're going to go to the book of 1 Corinthians. We won't get into 1 Corinthians a lot this morning because we're going to be talking about the city itself. Um, go, just go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and we will. there will be a few spots where we jump 
jump back and forth with verses and find uh, some different passages. And I may, if you guys are fine with it, I may have some of us read different passages. They won't be long. It'll be a verse or two here and there. Um, is anybody not comfortable reading in public? Brother Nitten? I understand. No. Brother Bill? Okay, that's fine. If uh, So I'll go through and, and uh, we'll, it's not going to be sometimes on Wednesday nights, especially early on, Pastor would uh, give us all verses and then we'd all do another verse. It's not going to be quite that much, but I will have y'all uh, read a little bit here and there just to, just to help us stay uh, participating. And uh, like I said, it's, it's going to be very much like school. And I'll tell you this now, and you may want to write it down, because for next week, depending on how much we get through here with the city of Corinth, if we don't get to it next week, it'll be the next. But I want you all to look up, if you can, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother. I want our homework to be, look up who is Sosthenes. We don't hear much about him. I think there's only one other spot in the whole Bible where we hear about him. But we see Paul uh, is, says, and Sosthenes, our brother, and what he's saying there is he either helped him write this, which, which he helped him, you know, hey, edit this, basically, or uh, um, scribing it, because Paul had really bad eyesight in that, and he may not have been able to write himself, or it was very difficult for him, but I want us to look at who, who was Sosthenes. Go find where he was in the Bible, and we'll talk about that when we start talking about, um, we're going to talk about Paul, the author of 1 Corinthians, which we know is Paul, but we're going to give a little bit of background on him as well. I think sometimes, and all of us are in different places uh, as far as our knowledge of the Bible, and some of us have been in church our whole lives, some have not. I don't know where everybody is at. We talk about Paul all the time. We all know who he was and kind of what he did and the books that he wrote. But Paul has a really interesting, rich background. And so we are going to talk about uh, Paul here uh, in the next few weeks as well. But that's your homework. If we don't get to it next week, we'll get to it the week after. But don't bank on not getting it to it next week, all right? So have it ready. And uh, I'm not saying you have to do a paper on it or anything else. Just know in your mind, and we'll ask some questions about it and and let you all tell me who Sosthenes was, all right? So, let's go ahead and pray. We haven't done that yet. We'll pray, and then we'll get into uh, the city of Corinth, all right? Father, I thank you for this day that you've given us. God, I pray that you would help us to be excited about studying your word. Uh, God, 1 Corinthians is such a um, familiar book to us. We hear sermons out of it all the time. God, as we look into... Uh, a little bit deeper, and we study 1 Corinthians, I pray that you'd open our minds to understand exactly what you have for us, and that we would be students of your word, that we would be uh, like the Bereans and going back and studying your word to find out if what's being preached matches up with the Bible. And if it does, we would follow it. We wouldn't fight our pastor as he teaches your, your word and the doctrine in it. But God, I pray that uh, we would be studying it for ourselves. Study, studying to show ourselves approved unto God, not to other people, but approved unto you, knowing what your word says so that we can follow it as close as possible. Pray that you be with us as we study this book. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians. And I have a couple sets of different notes. What I've got here is my notes, and then I have some, some longer passages that I pulled uh, from some different sites. 
Uh, so I'm going to be going back and forth. So uh, if I all of a sudden just stop and start staring, I'm either lost or I'm trying to figure out if I said it or not and I need to cover more of it, all right? So bear with me, all right? So the city of Corinth, actually what I also want you to do, hopefully you all have a map in the back of your Bible. Go to the map, if you can, if you got one. If you don't have one, um, I was... We had the men's camp out this, this week, and I, I meant, I had every intention, I even have a PowerPoint made to put some of these maps up here, but then Brother Josh was gone, and I have no idea how to work it back there. I knew Nitin had enough going on. He's saying he knew what, how to do it, but I didn't have time to, to get it to him. So look in your Bibles, and go to the map that says the journeys of Paul the Apostle, or it'll say Paul's missionary journeys, or something like that, all right? And actually, before you really get studying your map, does anybody not have a map in the back of their Bible? So you're going to be lost? Okay, good. Does anybody know, without looking at your map there, does anybody, off the top of your head, what, what was Corinth a province of? What, like, what nationality were they or what? Miss Barbara? They were Greek. Yes, they were Greek. I kind of always in my mind think of the Corinthians as Romans. Just, I don't know why, but they're not. They're Greek. Now, they became, and we'll talk about this, they, they were under Roman rule at one point, but they were a Greek uh, province. And you'll see, okay, if, you're, if, you're, um, if your map looks like mine, it's pretty small because it's trying to fit all of the missionary journeys in on one map. And I don't know if y'all have ever gone through and actually looked at, at these maps, but in the back of your Bible, it's got a it's got a um, a ledger to show you which map which. So in mine, uh, the first missionary journey is a dotted, real tight dotted line. The second missionary journey is a solid line. The third missionary journey on the same map is a uh, is hash marks, and that kind of and it's got arrows showing you where they were going as uh, on that line. And so you'll see sometimes the arrows are facing each other. That's because they went there and then came back on the same route. And then sometimes went back to the same place again and on the same missionary journey. And you'll see that it's kind of small. Uh, some, I have another Bible that actually has the different missionary journeys in different colors. So it's a little easier to see. This one I'm looking at now is just a different uh, hash marks of the same color lines. But what we're looking at is Corinth, if you look, mine's, so if you can find Macedonia, if you can find Italy, look just east, so across the Adriatic Sea, and then south, and you should see Corinth, and most Bibles have it just as a dot, so it'll say Corinth and then a dot next to it. That's Corinth. Now that's the city of Corinth, and there was also, they called it Acro-Corinth. It was 10 Basically, 10 square miles of walled-in city. Fairly big, but Acro-Corinth was kind of the bigger uh, Corinthian cities. And then you have Corinth that was actually the, the city proper. And it was actually, as we, we go through this, you'll kind of understand. That's why I want you to see it and kind of understand, because I'm going to be giving you city names and provinces, and you'll have no idea what, you, what I'm talking about if you're not looking at a map. And... Uh, Maybe next week, I'll, if we don't finish, which we're not going to finish, I'll tell you that right now, we're not going to finish the city, um, we'll put the map up here so that we can kind of see it uh, on a bigger bigger, uh, on a bigger screen. So, all right, that's where Corinth is at, just so you can see it. 
And I, there's something else that I, as I was studying, I, I always kind of thought or kind of think or I have this preconceived idea in my head that the Mediterranean Sea is, you know, meh. It's like Lake Michigan. It's not. It's big. It's, it's a huge, this was the waterways of the known world back then. This is what they traded on. And you'll see, you got the Aegean Sea and the Black Sea off of that and the Adriatic Sea. <clears throat> These were all off of the Mediterranean Sea. So the Mediterranean was where they, I mean, this, this goes down to Egypt, which is Africa. So you had all your, your, your ivory and all of those trades coming through. So Mediterranean Sea was the, the water, the body of water of the known world. And this is where all the trade happened. So you'll see as we go through this also how important Corinth would have been. All right. Now, you know the Cape of Good Hope down in Africa, right? The ships hated having to go all the way down around Africa back in the day. And it was a big deal. So they were always trying to find shortcuts to cut through. Same thing happened here with Corinth. And you, you'll see uh, just underneath Corinth that on your map, Sencrea. It doesn't look all that big, but you had little fishing vessels that would have had to go all the way around the south of that province called Sencrea. They hated doing that. So they were constantly trying to figure out a way to cut right through that little tiny isthmus, it's called, that little tiny uh, strip of land connecting Sencrea to Greece proper, which would have been uh, the, the province of Macedonia. So they were always looking for a way to cut through there. Some of the smaller ships, they actually did what's called a portage. Fully loaded with all their goods, they would just pop up onto the land and roll themselves either, either by, you know, put an axle underneath or logs underneath. It was four miles, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, and that's what I'm talking about. I didn't know exactly how I was going to present this. So as we go, I'm giving you some information that I have way down in my list. I'll, I'll stare at it for about 10 seconds and go, yeah, I already did that, and keep moving, all right? So that's, that's the staring I was talking about. But going, for, going on with this, that was a four-mile strip of land right there between Sencrea, where it came up and got into Macedonia, all right? And you'll recognize some of these cities. Philippi, named after Philip of Macedon. He was a powerful Greek king. Um, uh, Alexander the Great was in this time period close to around Christ. So you have him. Uh, he would have been based out of this area right here, Greece. Macedonia was the capital of, of that Greek area in that time. Um, but that four-mile strip of land, it was so far to go around Sencrea and come back up into that, that waterway between uh, Sencrea and Macedonia. You see that on the, on the west side where at least in my Bible, Corinth is written right across the actual water. That's a big, fairly big body of water. It'd been, it's, a, it's bigger than the, the little strip of land, so that's four miles. That little strip of water is probably five or six miles across. So they were, they were trying to get back up in there to sell their goods to those cities along that strip of, of water along the land there. But they didn't want to go all the way around Sencrea, so they would have, they, they were trying to, so what I started to say is the small boats would either put logs underneath and roll four miles. I mean, it was not through woods or anything like that. They, this was a known thing. People, these, these guys did this all the time. But they were always trying to figure out a way without, and of course, you got to think also, they, they didn't have 
the exploration done. They didn't have the, quite the knowledge that we had. Some of them were afraid that if they cut a, body, a channel of water through there, that Sancria would drift off. It would break off and drift. So they didn't want to cut water, you know, cut the land and make a waterway through there. But they eventually did do that, and we'll get to that. But anyway, uh, so that's where Corinth is at. That's kind of uh, uh, the city of Corinth was so important because that little waterway, that little strip of land came through there. That's, they had to go right through or right past Corinth. Corinth would have taxed them for doing that. Um, uh, there would have been all kinds of robbing and, and thievery along that route. As they, I mean, they're really uh, unprotected, these little fishermen and, and things that would have portaged their boats across the land. So, let's get into the city of Corinth, and we're going to go back. Uh, Paul was in Corinth. Does anybody, if we think, if we think about it, does anybody know when Paul would have been in Corinth, or when Paul would have been writing to these churches around about. I'm not asking for a specific year, but roughly. Does anybody know? So think about Jesus Christ would have died around 30 A.D. So when would Paul have been writing these? Obviously it was after that, so it's not B.C. Paul would have wrote to the Corinthians around 51 to 53 A.D. So this is, does he have that? What's it say? 52 A.D. So it was around there. They don't know exactly, but, but a lot of people say between 51 and 53 A.D. That's about 20 years after Christ was on this earth and, and went home, went back to heaven. Um, so Paul is, is about 20 years behind, and you'll see in his writings, he says that. I'm the, least, I'm the last of the apostles. I'm the last one, you know, the last one saved. Uh, it's possible that, that Paul may never have met Christ. It's possible. Um, doesn't mean he didn't, but he was not following Christ. Later, he was fighting the Christians. So you can kind of think about right now if, if somebody came on the scene claiming to be the Messiah, you're not going to have all your pastors running to go see him. They're going to be like, what a nut, you know, and they're going to keep teaching, they're going to preach against him. That's what these uh, Pharisees and Sadducees were doing. They were preaching against this Messiah in, their, um, in, the, in the temples and things. And so it's a good chance that Paul didn't go seek him out to find him. They were just, whatever, he's crazy. Afterwards, then, he was fighting the Christians um, and, and imprisoning them, even killing them, as we saw with, with Stephen. But... Um, so Paul could, may, may not, if he did see him, he probably wouldn't have gone and talked with him and tried to figure anything out. He just would have maybe seen him in passing. But the city of Corinth goes way back, and, and uh, bear with me because I do not use this thing for, for teaching off of, and it's not moving for me. But, all right, city of Corinth got its name from Corinthus, who was the son of Jupiter. Now, remember, it's a Greek city. The Greeks were all into... What? Well, everything they did had it goes back to. Say again, Nitin? They're pagan gods, but Greek mythology. Everything has to do with mythology. So, you know, their cities were started. Uh, I was reading. Well, I'm not going to get into it. But everything goes back. So, the city of Corinth got its name from Corinthus, who was the son of Jupiter, who would have been a Greek god. Um, and, and we already talked about this, but it was situated on the isthmus between Greece 
and Peloponnesus. Now, you recognize the Peloponnesian Wars and all of that? That was right here in this area. Peloponnesus would have been where Sincrea is at. That, that was Peloponnesus, all right? So, it, so Corinth, we already talked about, was situated right there on that strip of land between Greece and Sincrea in, in, on your map, all right? It is the capital of Achaia. So if you look at, and I don't know what everybody's Bibles look like, that's why I wanted it up here, but Achaia, you'll see that running down, and it actually crosses that water, and so it goes from just below Berea down into Sincrea. Corinth was the capital of that area. And as you go through history, these, these you know, as they were conquered, the different areas changed. And so it's, you can't just go look on the internet and be like, you know, what, what's Corinth? It's completely different, right? So back in Bible times, you'll see that Achaia, Corinth was the capital. So it wasn't a small city. It wasn't ins- insignificant and just happened to be on a waterway. But it did always get, it was always under attack, always because it was such an important spot. So everybody that conquered anything in this area tried to take Corinth. So they were, they were very much a mix of all different nationalities. Different, as they got conquered, they would put a, a group, you know, the conquering king would put a group in Corinth to try to make his presence known in Corinth as well. But you always had the locals, the natives of that city that would stay and try to, try to continue on as best they could. But it was... It's, it was the capital of Achaia, and, and uh, this is where I already said all this, but the, the, there is a canal there now. The canal that separates Achaia from Macedonia, so Sincrea from Macedonia, that little, strip, that little strip of land there, it says it's four miles long, and the canal was begun by Nero, and we're going to talk about Nero. Um, Paul all over the New Testament, but especially in 1 Corinthians here, references the Isthmian Games when he's talking about fighting and wrestling and all of that. He's talking about the Isthmian Games. Isthmus, Isthmian, th- those games happened right here in Corinth. Okay? So when he's talking about those, these people would have known exactly what he's talking about. Most of them probably were in the games themselves. All right? So, so he was using exactly what a, a good preacher does, uses, using illustrations to, to drive home a point, and these people would have connected with him really, really easily. Now, the canal that was begun by Nero was 75 feet wide and 300 feet high. So these were like, there was mountains coming through here, mountain-ish area coming through here on that isthmus, and that's why it was so difficult. It wasn't like, you know, a field and they, all they needed to do was cut a strip of, strip of water through there, and boats could, it's 300-foot-high mountains that they had to, to get out without dynamite and all the rest of that. So that's why this canal never really happened. Nero did start it, uh, and then he didn't finish it, and we'll get, we'll get uh, into that too. But now, <clears throat> we already talked about the small ships being transported over land. There was two ports, one at each end of this canal. So... I don't know if you can see it. I have, I have a map that I'm going to go look at that you guys do not have. Um, okay, so come here. All right, so if you can see, so the water coming up to that little strip of land was called the Saronic Gulf. And the, and the strip coming back through from the east or from the west coming the other way was called the Corinthian Gulf. 
So that's probably not on your maps in your Bible. You may be able to find a map in there that has that. Um, but you have the Saronic Gulf on the east side, the Corinthian Gulf on the west side. And those were important because those, those had ports uh, in them, and, and they would have been big, big uh, commercial areas. Corinth, Corinth was not poor either. They had a ton of commercial uh, uh, prosperity and, and trade going on in here. Um, but you also think that any, any place like this just accumulates filth, uh, sin. I don't mean dirty. I mean it accumulates all, people like, you know, every, all these sailors would have been coming in and uh, just all kind of wickedness was happening right here in Corinth. And it just, as it, as it uh, evolved, it got worse and worse and worse and worse. And we'll talk about this here in a minute. But to the point that <clears throat> the temples there, it wasn't that just that prostitution was wrong. That was part of their religion. I mean, they, these people were really debased, okay? And that's why, because you had all this trade coming through there for, for this part of that, uh, the world there. And they had to, to get to those uh, ports on the other side. They would have been trying to come through uh, Corinth. All right? So going back a few years, uh, Corinth had a known population as early as 1000 BC. All right? They were uh, Greek, but as Rome started to expand, they became one of the principal cities of Rome. And that's what I was saying. Every time a, another uh, country conquered, they would take Corinth and it would become a Roman city. Then it would become a whatever city. So um, it was Greek in the beginning. Rome uh, conquered them and, 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 and that would have been way, way past this in the second century, which is actually where a lot of the, the canals and everything actually, the canal was actually built. But there's a known population as far back as 1000 BC. And what their, most of their trade was based on, because Corinth didn't just tax people coming through, they were also building, making things to try to sell to everybody coming through. And they mostly did bronze and pottery. And so when they do um, some of these digs, they, they'll find this pottery from way back as far back as 1000 BC, and they had this, I'm not exactly sure how they made the ink, but they had this ink that they would put on the pottery, all these different, you know, pictures and things, and a lot of that was um, the pictures of the Greek mythology, so they would have, that's how they kind of came up with, Corinth got its name from Jupiter, this is God, the god Jupiter on there with a painting of Corinth, and all of that. <clears throat> so, all right, old Corinth, was destroyed in 146 B.C. by a Roman general named Mummius uh, this, because the city, citizens would not surrender. They, they were Greek, they were proud, they would not surrender, so he destroyed the city, sold everybody in Corinth as a slave. Everybody was taken into slavery. Um, it wasn't until till 46 B.C. that Caesar came back and rebuilt Corinth. So for 100 years, Corinth kind of just sat there. There's really not a population there. Um, that's 46 B.C. We said the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, was written in 51 to 53 A.D., 52 A.D. in Brother Bill's Bible. Paul would have been to Corinth a few years before that. So he was there on his second missionary journey, came back from Ephesus, actually. And if you 
you'll see uh, looking at your missionary journeys all the way across the Aegean Sea is Corinth on the west coast of Asia. You can see that in your map. He was in Ephesus when he wrote to the Corinthians. He wrote 1 Corinthians. All right. But 46 BC, Caesar came back to, I have three minutes, came back to build Corinth. From 46 B.C. to 50-ish A.D., less than 100 years, when Paul, was, when Paul came to Corinth, they estimate that the population was between five and 700,000 people. So it rebuilt pretty quickly. And that is not, you know, oh, a family settled and had all these kids who had all these kids. These people were coming to Corinth because it was a very, uh, a very not popular is not the word I'm looking for, but very... Um, important city on these trade routes and as soon as it opened back up and, and Caesar wanted people there again it just flooded in so you can understand why Paul would have gone to Corinth um, and we'll get into this too but there was a huge Jewish population there in Corinth and on Paul's missionary journeys he would go into all these cities and you'll see it over and over and over in the New Testament or on his journeys he goes to the city who does he look for first synagogue. He goes straight to the Jews, and when they won't hear, then he goes to the Gentiles and starts preaching to them. You'll see it over and over and over. So on most of his missionary journeys, that's what he's doing. He's looking for cities with a Jewish population, goes and preaches to them, hey, you killed, you killed the Messiah. They don't listen. That's why he was always getting stoned and beaten and all that, because they didn't like the message he was preaching. These were hardcore Jews looking for the Messiah, and you got Paul, who was one of them at one point, preaching that the Messiah is already here. So he goes to Corinth, looks for the Jews, um, but there's between five and 700,000 people in Corinth when Paul finally gets there. Um, I'm trying to see if I should even get into it. I don't think so. I think we're going to stop right there. It's 1039, and not that I want everybody looking at their watches, but um, there's no point in, in extending. It's Like I said, we're going to build on these week to week to week. So we will talk about the city of Corinth next week. That might buy you an extra week to figure out who Sosthenes is because we're definitely going to be talking about the city again uh, next week. But interesting, interesting, we haven't even gotten into really, uh, it, we'll finish the city next week for sure, but we haven't really gotten into the Corinthian people. But it, what it does, the reason I wanted to talk about this is it, as you're reading through the book of 1 Corinthians, helps you to understand who Paul is dealing with. He, he's dealing with a rough crowd. Uh, a proud, a proud group of people as well. I mean, the Isthmian Games, people came from all over the known world to come there to compete in these games. And uh, so they were a proud people. And, of course, they, you know, in the games that, that they were competing in, they would have wanted to win to, you know, to make their city proud, to make the Corinthians proud. But um, just a wicked, wicked place. And we'll get into a little bit of that next week, nothing in, in great detail, but kind of about that that temple that we were just talking about, uh, the temple to Epaphrodite. Um, she was the goddess of passion. That was, that's what they were worshiping. So naturally, now Paul comes to that place and says, what are you doing? Pulls these people out of that mire, out of that sin. And then a few years later, he's writing to them to say, you're going back to it. What are you doing? Okay. So that's, what, that's why we're going over the city. We'll do that a little bit more next week. And then we'll get into the author, and uh, I got an interesting, really interesting uh, story that we'll go through on Nero with the Isthmian Games, very interesting. 
we'll probably get that next week. But that's where we'll stop for today, and we'll pick up again on the city next week. All right, let's pray, and then we'll be done. Father, I thank you for this day you've given us. God, I thank you for uh, just the, the, how exciting your word can be. God, I thank you uh, that we get to study it, that we get to uh, learn. And God, as we get into the actual content of 1 Corinthians, I pray that we would be uh, edified by it, that we would grow from it, that we would uh, be encouraged to stand for what we know is right and stand for what's in your word. God, I pray as we uh, look at the life of Paul and and just see the transformation that the gospel made in his life. God, I pray that that would encourage us to uh, go out and win souls uh, of those we, we know. Sometimes we work with people or we see people that we just think there's no way that they'll ever be saved. And uh, God, we see so many times in the Bible uh, where you change lives. And we see it all, all the time, even in our world. But God, I pray that we'd be encouraged to go out and win souls for you. Uh, not knowing what you might do with them in the future. Um, but just doing our job, doing what we know is right. Pray that you bless the next hour. I pray that you be with our pastor as he preaches, that you give him clarity of mind, that you give him your power, and that you'd open our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, we're dismissed.